Did Black Jesus just walk out of our lives forever? This is last, last dance spoilers. <laughs> hey, y'all. Hey, man. Hey, This is Josh. I'm recording out of Goshen. And just to introduce everyone, I wanted to go around and um, say where, who you are, where you're recording from, and maybe just what uh, your favorite moment maybe is of the series so far. I mean, not so far. We're all the way through it. So just kind of <laughs> what comes to mind here. And we'll go east to we. So, Stevie, let's start with you well this is stevie recording from elkhart indiana and i think my favorite part i mean it's a mix of things but really it's kind of talking about when michael was talking about why he was so hard on his teammates um when he came back and for the fact that they didn't go through hell with him like when he had to finally get over detroit this was a brand new team and the simple fact that i mean yeah, I guess it's really just Michael explaining why he was such a dick to his teammates uh, from 95 to 98. <laughs> when he gets real. And when it. he finally broke down crying and he's like, if you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. That was a good part. Very memed as yeah. well. I'll go next. This is your host, Josh, recording out of Goshen, like I said. And I think it's the intro to episode five where it's a mixture between an all-star team and you also see Magic and Larry as coaches and... Uh, Kobe is in there and you also get Sean Kemp as a Cav and I was just really tickled by all of that so I'll <laughs> I'll say that I think it's me this is Liz recording from South Bend and I have to second that I was gonna say it's really really close for me the episode five beginning and then basically the music overall as my favorite thing about this and highlights to specific songs. Um, it's just been a really strong soundtrack and a lot of nostalgia there. That's been fun to dive back into. All right. This is Pappy. Sad it's our last, last dance podcast. Recording from the other side of Louisville, Colorado. Moved into a new <laughs> house across town. Uh, I think that when I think back on last dance, it's going to kind of occupy the same space in my brain as those like it was the thing that came after Tiger King in this quarantine it was like the thing <laughs> that like everyone was talking about it like captured the zeitgeist like right at that moment when Tiger King was done and something else came up so I, I think it was just nice to watch basketball again and, and I think anytime there was like basketball on screen it, it was just so nice to see so that was probably my favorite part and this is Corey, recording out of Simi Valley, California. And my favorite part, I mean, I'm just going to go with the joke answer. Uh, it's Jordan saying, I ain't Shaq in episode 10. Because <laughs> that is both comedic and informative. It's true, he's not Shaq, technically, if you think about it. He's not. Yeah. And Pappy, I don't know, man, somewhere between Tiger King and The Last Dance, we got that celebrity video of them all singing imagine all the people so <laughs> right yeah. let's get a squeeze right in between just thinking if like a hybrid i want to see like joe exotic and like gal gadot like ripping on scott burrell over his zoom call <laughs> for 30 minutes just like the ultimate quarantine like media. The, uh, the avengers of quarantine movies it's like all <laughs> these things and we'd be amiss to mention that Corey's also the host of another movie podcast called Big Dumb Movie. And therefore, 
Corey, I thought that your favorite moment would be the vault moment with Joe Montaigne. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of Stevie when he came up. I just imagined him going up to Jordan saying, you have long arms. <laughs> Happy, I will say, and maybe you can repeat it a little bit on this pod because of how funny I thought it was, but you had a line on that Baby's Day Out pod where you're talking about how non-PC some of the things the baby does to Joe Montana are. Oh, I don't... I mean, it's... I, I want to save the good content for Big Dumb Movie, but yeah, it goes <laughs> X-rated. Like, things, lines are crossed, but yeah, definitely subscribe to Big Dumb Movie if you want to hear specifically what lines that baby crossed with that. Thank you guys man. so much. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into these episodes nine and ten. So at the beginning of nine, the intro and the cliffhanger that we're left off from eight is Reggie Miller and just basically Indiana Pacers hysteria. Liz, do you want to start walking us through this very beginning part? Um, so let's start with a personal note that I feel very vindicated that the Black Jesus story made it in to start off. <laughs> right. So people who listen to spoilers heard that story a week ago. Uh, I think we said it was an exhibition game, but it sounds like his actual game, right? Yeah. 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 Don't yeah. ever talk it, trash have... to Black Jesus. I'm sorry, Black Jesus, for getting the game wrong. Um and it also started off really setting the tone with the fact that Reggie and Michael were in a fight at the beginning of the episode and how heated their rivalry was and their relationship there. Reggie makes it a point to say that he respects his opponents and he respects the Bulls, but that Pacers team was never intimidated or scared of Michael. And I thought a lot of the game, the game action there was was nice. And I could have used more of that in earlier episodes to kind of set that atmosphere up like that scre- screaming white lady behind the bench. Oh, my goodness. Right. <laughs> I'm wondering if Stevie and Pappy remember if any of the images stuck with you like MJ versus Pacers because there's some great ones in there. I mean, I'm I'm with Liz. Like the screaming fans uh, was probably the biggest standout. Um, obviously, when they kind of get like tangled up, that's been shown a million billion times. Uh, I don't know, but I I just like I remember this happening though. Like now we're like now now we've gone to like '98, where it's like the end of the last dance. Like this series, I, I remember watching it. I remember like how big the Pacers were getting. I remember reading an SI for kids. Like it was like the most important things are Indiana are high school basketball, college basketball and professional basketball, but that might be changing <laughs> now. Like there's a whole article headline. So like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anything like specific of the, the basketball action stood out to me, but like, it's just cool to see something that I remember happening in real time. I have a question for you guys. Is this an accurate representation of Indiana residents? Oh, man. Well, they show the Purdue band, so I'm just going to have to say no, full stop. Yeah. (laughs) I don't really consider myself an Indiana resident, even though I live here. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I would say for that part of the state, it is accurate, but it's not a very statewide reflection of it. (laughs) If you guys have seen the 30 for 30 winning time about Reggie Miller. One of my faves. 
Great uh, one. I, I love Reggie Miller so much, but Liz, it's like a very similar uh, depiction of Indiana, like residents and like particular Pacers fans. And like at one point, Spike Lee just makes a comment, you know, just to throw it out there, the Klan started in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Spike Lee. He says that. And then um, I worked with a researcher at a sports network who is from New York and was a huge Knicks fan and would always call it Naptown nap town nap town because you go there and take a nap and then when they said that in the winning time 30 for 30 i was like oh man it's true <laughs> it's true <laughs> i just love seeing michael going up for a layup and getting kind of held by mark jackson and then just chucking the ball at his head <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i remember that and it was like michael looks so snarling and just mean in that clip and i love it I have a stupid question. Did he get? Did Michael get teed up because he threw the ball after the whistle was blown? Uh, you can't throw yes. a ball at someone like that. <laughs> Even if you're like, why not? Flying out of bounds, you can't do that. Like not at their head, and not with purpose no. to just harm. It was like no strategic sort of basketball play there. That's how I would take That's it. Fair. Yeah. But speaking of mean MJ, he like gives <laughs> he gives the Indiana rivalry some credit. But then he also has a quote where he's like, outside of Detroit, Indiana was the best Eastern Conference matchup we probably ever had. (laughs) (laughs) He just can't really full out hand it to someone still. And I love it. Stevie, we go from Indiana and they beat them and we go to the Jazz. Do you just want to introduce some of the cursory people here that we get to see for the first time? Yeah, so we get to see like Stockton and Malone, which in my mind is like one of the greatest duos in NBA history. I think they're still number one in assists to each other, aren't they? Probably. I believe so. I think they're still way up there. I think Carl Malone beat Jordan's scoring record at the end of his career, too. Did he really? I think so. (laughs) Well, I mean, the other thing is, too, this documentary shows, I mean... I think Jordan had respect for Malone, but I thought it was kind of odd that they included Malone getting the MVP from the 97 season or the 96-97 season. And it makes it kind of seem like Jordan has a bit of a chip on his shoulder, but I think that's kind of what's reflective of this whole series is Michael has this giant chip on his shoulder about everything. Real or not. (laughs) Exactly. Real or not. It's like in his head, this man is psychotic about how he's been wronged. Like, I mean, it's almost like, you know, someone could say like, you know, Hey man, sorry, I didn't see you there. And Jordan will take it as a slight for the rest of his life over something really innocent. But the way he channels that energy though, I think is like what's obviously really cool about him. I mean, Sure, he's like easily offended or like easily pissed off, but you know, he turns that into something really awesome. It's just like, but Stevie, I think you'd agree with this that like the NBA MVP is kind of a joke anyway. Like, (laughs) I mean, like, it doesn't incorporate the only thing that matters, which is the playoffs, and like to not give it to LeBron James like any time in like the past 
six years or in his prime or like to not give it to MJ anytime he was on the court. It's just like a travesty. To not give it to like Michael, Kobe, or LeBron every year is DP talks about that. The writers just it, get bored and like want to vote for someone They get else. bored. Like LeBron honestly should win it every year. Yeah. Like at this point, like the NBA, like Michael should have won it every year. Kobe, for the most part, should have won it every year. Like it makes no sense to me. I agree with that, Pap. <laughs> I, I heard today that Malone and Russell were the two prominent ones to decline interviews for this and um, for obvious reasons. I was sad that in all the Utah Jazz stuff, they left out possibly the best trash talk anecdote uh, from Scottie Pippen that the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays, which is what he said to Carl Malone in 1997 during that final series that caused him to miss free throws at a clutch moment in the narrative of this documentary pippin isn't really clever enough to come up with something like that no scotty pippin (laughs) gets trashed in this documentary and i i need some justice in the fact that he was playing some mind games there was some gamesmanship going on and that line is epic. What are the obvious reasons that Carl Malone would turn down an interview for this? Uh, Michael denied him championships every, every time, and he maybe is still embarrassed by this. I feel like there's obvious reasons for Byron Russell. Yeah, He made Michael Jordan's shit list. Yeah. Carl Malone is just like, to me, he was probably the most glaring item missing from this whole doc. He's one of the best players of all time. He, if you're honest, intellectually, he's right up there with Bird, Magic, even MJ. And I couldn't believe we didn't hear one word from modern day Carl. We also didn't hear from Luke Longley, a pleasant human being that was on that Bulls team. <laughs> it was annoying. Couldn't get a plane to Australia. That's just ridiculous. I would have liked to have hear from Jerry Sloan. I did some Googling. It sounds like he might not be have the capacity to do an interview, but I thought he was like his press quips. Like I think that was in the 98 finals, like when they only scored 54 points. He's like, wait, whoa, this is the score <laughs> at the end. Like, <laughs> I thought he was a real standout, like from the, that cast of characters. Yeah, he's really sick, mm-hmm. which is really sad. I know he has a lot of uh, dementia um, and basically doesn't do anything anymore you guys remember that carl malone commercial for hardy's when he was the mailman delivering fried chicken you guys remember that <laughs> you should look it up he didn't get a movie out of that Mm-mm. well we don't get malone but we do get stockton and we actually see some really cool Stockton clips he was a really good player in his own right as well obviously he he's a top like 50 all-timer I think, and one of his cool shots that I like to see was his last second shot against the Rockets. Like Pappy said, it's really cool just to see basketball in the quarantine. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to talk about here in the first episode, since we haven't hit on it all series long, is what do you guys think of the little stuff that they have in the commercials, like the vault and the old school overdubbed ESPN commercials? Let's get right to it. The Chicago Bulls have won their second three-peat, and this clip will be used to promote the documentary in a State Farm commercial. 
It's just a hunch. Absolutely cannot fucking stand it. I was so sick of it. I, like by this time, I'm glad. Like I had seen this the fucking Kenny Main one where he talks about you can get a pizza by touching a place on your phone or whatever. Like <laughs> Kenny Main, you could do that in the '90s. It's called dialing a pizza company. You've always been able to get a pizza by touching the right places on your phone. What the fuck are you talking about? Like it's. I don't know. I I'm not gonna miss those. I couldn't stand Keith Olbermann. <laughs> I kind of liked him. Why, Josh? <laughs> Lizzie, back me up here. I mean, it was good to see Linda Cohn and Keith Olbermann, I thought. I think initially a couple times. And then, <laughs> then, it, then yeah, it, it was fine. It kind of played itself out after the first couple times. But I didn't. Some of the vault interviews, good. Other vault interviews, like, get out of here, Justin Timberlake. I don't need you for this. Like, this is not a, a point in time where I need to see your face. Some, <laughs> like, some people, I know that everybody in the NBA looked up to Jordan. Like, I don't mm. need Chris Paul on there telling me about it. Let's move on. I think the real missing interview is Leonardo DiCaprio from this series. <laughs> I think that would have been a real it's poetic, great man. gift for this. It's poetic. He came up and <laughs> called my movie the wrong thing. The man with the iron face. <laughs> iron man. <laughs> I thought, too, uh, I think it was in this episode, uh, speaking of like behind-the-scenes people, I wonder if this was going to happen retroactively or if the director was like checking a box uh, or, or something, but, like... So uh, what I struggle with is like what the last dance is, you know what I mean? Because it's it's definitely more of a Michael Jordan documentary, even than it is like a Bulls documentary. But it's a Michael Jordan documentary at the same time that doesn't mention his wife once, doesn't mention the birth of his children at all, like nothing like personal details. But like I think it was in this episode where his kids come up and start talking about the Utah fans. Like yeah, I don't know, but it, I feel like they didn't have any value add. But I feel like it was literally just to check a box, so like we acknowledge that Jordan had children. You know what I mean? Juanita and Michael was not a great marriage, Pap. Yeah, that was some trouble. Maybe that was one of the stipulations of Jordan agreeing to do it. I think it really was. Like my kids got to appear in this, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like he called Juanita, whether it was in an interview or kind of off the cuff. Um, he called his wife hired help at some point in the early Jeez. 90s. Pappy, I know exactly what you're saying because in this episode, uh, like we got almost like a little mini doc on the security team leader, Gus, who had cancer and came yeah. back and kind of motivated Jordan. And also, most notably, and I'd never heard this whole story before, like a Steve Kerr documentary shoved into this about his dad. Mm-hmm. You hadn't never, heard that before? Though? You hadn't heard that? I had not. Oh. I had never heard of it. Really? That's like one mm. of the saddest stories ever. Almost and sadder I, than Tony Kukoc coming from war-torn country. <laughs> yeah, it's about right there. I turned to my husband during that, well, right after that, and was basically like, I don't define Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan as a member of the murdered dad's club. Like that's just mm. not, I've never associated those two in that way. It certainly doesn't define their legacy, uh, but it's obviously a big way of how they've defined themselves to have Steve Kerr's mom go- on there going through that as well. Like recounting it. That was just so rough, even though I knew 
those details. Corey, for anyone who hasn't watched a doc, what, what do we learn about Steve Kerr's family? Well, Steve Kerr's dad was some kind of like a diplomat or... He was the he was president some, of yeah. American University in Beirut. That's right. So he was like some kind of like scholar out there in Beirut and uh, I guess at a time when things weren't going so well in that area and some Americans there were being apparently targeted uh, by locals and uh, either they disappear or in his case, unfortunately, he got shot. It was actually like, I think they handled it really well and it was, it was very sad. It's, like you mentioned, the interview with the mom and everything it really like brought it home and yeah, basically his dad was he was shot, unfortunately. Mind blowing that Steve Kerr revealed that they had never discussed that at all. And and they did a I think the documentarian did a good job of like, you know, why haven't you discussed that? And Steve Kerr kinda of tells like that's kind of like guarded Michael. But I would have liked to hear Michael ask that question, like, how come you never talked to Steve Kerr about having a murdered dad? Like I got I would have liked to hear like what if Michael would admit that he's kind of guarded in that way. I think it's kind of what Liz said, like, how do you bring that up? Hey, did you know that this really cool club we're both in? Yeah, true. Awkward silence. (laughs) I got a couple other notes on Steve Kerr. One is that he gave us another one of those kind of like coded race words and that people in the NBA thought he was an overachiever because he's a small white guy. (laughs) High motor. Sneaky fast. Son of a coach. Jim rat. (laughs) Jim rat. (laughs) But I also really appreciated how they tied kind of the legacy of Paxson to Steve Kerr directly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a role on that team that was slightly more prominent than other teams because of the clutch shooting in those moments that those guys exhibited i just love steve kerr and i will not stand for any slander of him ever (laughs) (laughs) well pappy we wouldn't be able to finish out episode nine without mentioning the biggest bombshell dropped on us this was mind-blowing fill us in on pizzagate (laughs) oh my god like okay so uh, for those of you who have watched ESPN in the past, you know, 20 years, flu, the flu game is, is something that's not only brought up, you know, in the context of Michael Jordan's greatness, but anytime a professional athlete is sick or like battling like an injury or like a, an illness, not, not necessarily an injury, but like the flu or, or in this case, food poisoning, like it always comes up MJ's flu's game and how that can somehow like sometimes enhance your, your abilities or your concentration or whatever. But in this documentary, Michael Jordan and his trainer reveal that one, when the pizza delivered, there was some shady shit going down. Apparently like five people delivered the pizza and we were trying to like look inside. And two, Michael Jordan was the only one to eat said pizza. And they <laughs> believe that it was not a flu game, but in fact a food poisoning game, which was stunning. And potentially a, like an intentional food poisoning. There was some very suspicious things with the delivery of that pizza specifically like i think they said there were four or five guys that came to the door <laughs> to deliver it what's going on there yeah there's only certain types of movies where that happens five guys delivering pizza <laughs> but i i was surprised hmm. that there was never any kind of like follow up you know what i mean like you know what pizza company you called they would know the employee like I, i'm surprised there was like 
for a pizza for any restaurant to intentionally food poison one of their customers is would be a huge scandal to have it be the most famous person <laughs> on the planet in the NBA finals that that's amazing that it was kept under wraps for this long do you think that's pretty I, poor journalism here like no follow-up they just say the claim from Jordan and they're like that's the truth as we see it it's pretty crappy well this information has been out there before this documentary I listened to a Michael Jordan uh, oriented podcast like a year or two ago. And that's when I first heard about the flu game being a potentially, you know, intentional food poisoning like we heard about here. I also, there were some pizza truthers calling into Dan Patrick this morning, claiming that they knew the guy who knew the guy who delivered the pizza. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, we I guess we'll get the I team on this to figure it out. Um, (laughs) But the director came on and said that Michael told him that the reason there was only one pizza and none of the other guys ate a slice was that he spit on the pizza so no one else would eat it. And that was I guess a thing he did a lot when he was mad that people <laughs> ate without him. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> it, just the most bizarre, petulant behavior. <laughs> I, I, my germs. I, yeah, these are mine germs. This is just, in the midst of the playoffs, the championship series. He's got just like, yeah. Do you think they're eating pizza now, like a night before the NBA Finals game, like from some random pizza place that they call? There's no way. Like things have just changed so much. There's so much misinformation about the story too, because I was always heard that he was just hungover, like super bad, and trying to hide behind the flu. So like, why is this pizza story coming to light? What's the true story? The hangover is more uh, more unlikely than a poisoned pizza, though, to me. Yeah, somebody else called in today and was like, uh, yeah, he was hungover because he flew to Vegas the night before, which is a little more plausible. Uh, You think so? Yeah. Private plane. (sighs) Is it plausible that he's just acting completely? Like, this is one of his sociopath things? (laughs) I don't know how the most famous man on the planet gets away with going to Vegas the night before the finals. Yeah, have you that's guys ever, true, too. Have you guys ever had food poisoning? Yes. Yes. It is the worst thing I've ever been through in my entire life. Like I would. I had, I had it while I was pregnant, and oh. I would not wish that on my worst enemy. <laughs> what oh. happened to you, Pat? I was in Peru. I was in oh. Lima, Peru. <laughs> And uh, yeah. I went to this restaurant and I, I, I like some guy took me there and it wasn't like, you know, it was kind of off the beaten path. And I, I drank all the water and ate all the food. And then like <laughs> this was on a Friday and I had like all of this shit lined up on the weekend I was going to do because I was there on business. And I, I went to get some like dinner Friday night, drank a sip of water. And then from that point on until Monday morning, anytime liquid or solids entered my body, I was on the toilet pointing one end at the toilet. Like it was the worst experience of my life. And then like, I didn't, I don't speak Spanish. So I didn't know like how to ask for help. I thought like, this is how I'm going to die. Like I was drinking some like El Gatorado like, to try and stay hydrated, but it was instantly coming out. It was, I can't imagine playing a basketball game in that condition. It's that's amazing to me. 
I love Michael Jordan, and if he ever listens to this pod, which he won't, I hope he knows that uh, we have mostly loving feelings towards him. But my pervading theory is that he made this shit up, and he wanted to. This is a way for him to become a greatest player of all time. Is like have a sick game. There's just too many theories. Like, what's Occam's razor here? He's just trying to be cool. That's my that's my new theory. Anyway, let's get on to. You think that's where the razor falls? <laughs> Food poisoning versus I want to look cool. Yeah, I think Arkham's razor doesn't imply a massive conspiracy. Usually. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, the I don't think the conspiracy. Have you listened to anything in this whole series yet? Like he probably heard some player some point like 20 years ago say like man i could beat you even if i was sick and he's like man i gotta get those bragging rights over some people (laughs) you know that's the kind of crap he's capable of now that's that's very true he doesn't get sick he did space jam and like practice for 10 hours a day for like an entire summer occam's razor points to this is made up in his head (laughs) (laughs) it's not what occam's razor is josh's razor (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's move the razor on to episode ten. Wait, wait. He called. He called Larry Bird a bitch in this episode. Oh, he dude. did. The you ending. Can't, you can't do that. The very like the very last shot is where Michael goes, "Good game," and Larry Bird goes, "Fuck you, you stupid bitch," or something like that. And gives him a hug and walks away. Like that. that was one of the best uh, parts of the whole doc. I mean, you can talk to your friends that way, surely. <laughs> Exactly. Larry Bird, though. <laughs> he goes, have fun working on your golf game. Yeah. And you can tell Larry was having none of it. Yeah. <laughs> if he hadn't screwed up his back, concreting his driveway on his own for some odd reason. <laughs> uh, you know, paving his driveway, even though he's a professional basketball player, uh, I'm sure he would have taken a run at Michael, but I don't think his back could have taken it. Wait, is that? Wait, <laughs> you're going to have to fill me in on that. I've Larry Bird... Yeah. Being a renaissance man and a man of Indiana to the core, <laughs> instead of paying someone to repave his driveway, did it on his own and messed up his back and shortened his career. Larry Bird was about oh my god pride, hard work, repaving your own driveway, and winning yeah, NBA championships. Space Jam cameos. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what people of Indiana do. I mean, you just you do what you love and you go home and pave your own driveway. Corey, I'm sure Josh also grew up with this, but like being, you know, someone who tried to play basketball for a little bit in Indiana, like I would hear the stories of like Larry Bird's legendary work ethic, like jumping up all the stairs in the bleachers on one foot and then jumping back like on the other foot all the way down. But that was like during the season and in the off season, he would just drink a lot of Miller Lite and kind of just be a regular <laughs> dude. <laughs> I love those pictures of him with like just a terrible stash, beer in hand, just out there like kind of in a woodsy setting. Those are great. Hoosier's best. Thanks for bringing us back, Liz, because episode nine starts with Indiana, so I think it's great that we end with it. Perfect. Episode ten. I can't. I don't have this in my notes, but somebody is saying all this Zen stuff about Michael. Pappy, who who says he's a mystic here? Do you remember who that was? Um, anybody? No, I don't Gosh, remember who that was. But it's like the, the the gist of it is he's saying that like you know people like meditate and do yoga or like you know dedicate their life to try and find like 
presence or like living in the moment and like wasn't it phil did phil say it no no it was one of the other it was i think it was like a reporter or something yeah like, it was like a say, commentator oh yeah he goes yeah. on to say that like jordan's like able to do this like effortlessly and like it's like before the nba finals and michael jordan's like dancing to music in his headphones over like this whole thing it's really great Kenny Lattimore, who, full disclosure, I had never heard of. Oh, yeah, he's like really good friends with Kenny Lattimore. (laughs) You got the new album early, man. I don't know. I really thought that was interesting because it was finally someone trying to kind of explain Michael Jordan's superpower of being present all the time. That is just pretty interesting. A good 2020 look at it. It's something I always try to do and always fail to do. It, I think it is important, and I I agreed with all that that they were saying, like how that can really help you in life and be focused at things because living in the past or worrying about the future is like cause of stress for most people. And uh, yeah, I really like that bit. Even like a little bit of like 10 minutes of meditation, like just living in the moment, it's crazy how good that can make you feel. But I, I do take umbrage that that's not why Michael Jordan, it's like that ability plus he could literally jump higher and do all these other things that people couldn't do too. Like and Michael Jordan had- form a grudge like no one. Had multiple superpowers, exactly. Pettiness. <laughs> the ultimate superpower. Evil superpower. <laughs> I feel like I can't I think it was early on in episode 10 when they were back in the locker room and after they talked about being present and stuff like Ahmad Rashad was talking to him and he was like kill or be killed no some can or some can't yeah yeah and then he says to him you're not instructed to talk to Scott Burrell. You'll scare the <laughs> shit out of him. That's at the end of episode nine, actually. And like, it? it really made oh. me question, like, what is Ahmad Rashad doing? Is he part of Jordan's squad? Is he like a reporter yes. just on location at all times? Ahmad is Jordan's guy. But I mean, he was also still with NBC. And I don't know what, like how they became such... BFFs, but Ahmad was the real deal when he was an NFL player. Really good. And no, like nobody really knows that because all you think of him is inside stuff. At least young inside stuff and NBA pregame and sidelines because we never saw that because we're too young. Yeah, he's really just like in there spitting some wisdom. And likewise, we finally got some more Phil moments. I mean, not enough to really fulfill me. But yeah, Phil is in the locker room saying like, we're working on our breathing. We're centering ourselves to the court. It's like, that's pretty out there, especially for the 90s, I feel like. But the guys are taking him (laughs) serious. And then it cuts to, like, smash cut to the third quarter of the first game. And he's like, <laughs> guys, this is fucking scary. God damn it, get serious. <laughs> get your fucking head in the game. <laughs> There's also a subtle moment with Phil. And this wraps up my notes on Phil, because I, like, hang on everything he does. But Jordan and Pippen are, like, 
in the training room, kind of stretching out, getting taped up before the game. And I think Linda Cohn is on TV just talking about how bad a shape Pippin's back is. <laughs> and Phil just walks over and switches off the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, the last Phil quote for me that really made my day was when he was talking about the most 90s thing ever, Dennis Rodman skipping practice to go to the NWO. Oh my God. And he (laughs) says, uh, he's only taking your focus away from the finals, not ours, to the media. Like, (laughs) perfect fill. And he was like, be gone. My God, he sure did take my focus away. That's all I've been thinking about, really, since this documentary, is how I want to go back and rewatch some of those NWO uh, Monday Nitros. I thought that was actually really funny that they included that bit in here and that he pulled it off in between games. (laughs) Just seeing him bash DDP with a steel chair just really got me some fucking nostalgia. Probably the same way that you guys get nostalgia for this whole documentary. (laughs) He came back from that and he was wearing a hat that said bong on it. I saw that. (laughs) Stevie, how would you sum up Rodman's life like in a nutshell at this time? Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's almost like if you laid an entire floor full of mouse traps, you knew all of them were going to go off if you take Dennis Rodman on your team. But through those mouth, through those mouse traps in the pain will, will come championships. The cheese. I mean, that's really what Dennis Rodman is to the Bulls. He's all these mouse traps that are going to go off. They're going to bite you in the ass. It's going to hurt. But through all of them, you'll get a championship or three championships out of them. It just seems like the man had severe ADD. Yeah. He described it himself perfectly. He said, I'm just doing Dennis shit. Phil knows that. <laughs> doing Dennis shit. Out here wrestling, uh, or wrestling, as he calls it. Wrestling. <laughs> I love it when he came back to practice and Phil was like, Design on you, design on your cow, design on your whole family. <laughs> well, the thing that's mind-bending to me, he had... Carmen Electra at his side through all this it's really like he had everything and was just like the Joker <laughs> but people were attracted to that I don't understand chaotic evil slash chaotic good <laughs> but chaotic good for the bulls chaotic evil for himself chaotic neutral to the public yeah <laughs> Is he an attractive man? No. What? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I figured he was. Hmm. I think he's (laughs) alright. Doesn't this kind of make you wish that the Rodman episode was better when we did that a few weeks ago? And it was okay, but I still... I still have so many, like, why, like, I want to hear specific party stories, you know what I mean? I want to hear, like, what it was like to show up at the NWO. I I don't know. I I just feel like there's, like, these same 20 stories about Dennis Rodman that are just kind of at a high level, but we never, there hasn't really been anything that actually digs into his psychology other than just doing Dennis stuff, and that's that. I really think we could have taken a break with the history of Michael Jordan and maybe it shouldn't have been all about the Dennis Rodman episode being great but more of character development of all the 98 Bulls throughout I thought was really missing yeah like where's I 
there wasn't enough Tony Kukoc for me, who was a huge factor in them winning. And Jordan didn't like Tony. Yeah, so there was nothing outside of him making his life a living hell at the Olympics. And then nothing from Luke Longley and the other guys really only existed to serve as the chorus of them being like, yeah, he was an asshole to us, but we won. More Bill Wennington, more jo- Will Purdue. Josh and Liz, I have a question for you. Um, since you guys work in some form of media. So the director of this, you know, presumably got the rights to tell the story, got all the footage from ESPN and NBA and Michael's people got the sign off and he sits down and he can tell it any way he wants to. You know what I mean? He can start at the beginning. He could go chronologically. He could go in reverse. He chooses to do this kind of weird timeline back and forth thing. Now that we've been through it, 10 episodes, was that the right approach to telling the story? Did it enhance the storytelling of this documentary? I think it was hit or miss. I think there's some moments that were kind of awkward. Like, and I, th- I think episode nine, we're simultaneously talking about the Utah Jazz championship series in 97 while we're talking about the Eastern Conference finals in 98 against the Pacers. So it's like, eh. But then there's some cool stuff that lined up. Like, I feel like uh, his injury kind of lining up with, like, Pippen's injury, and they're kind of able to, like, overlay certain situations. But I don't know. Liz, what do you, what do you think? If you weren't familiar with all the material and didn't have a baseline of that history, it was probably pretty tough to follow, um, even with the graphics and the kind of zooming timeline. It it was fun to take those little nostalgia trips, so I didn't really mind. Um, but I was, I'm just thinking of like my father-in-law has DVR'd all of them. I don't know if he started watching them yet, and I don't know if he'll enjoy it as much. Not just because he's a huge Celtics fan, but because it it's just going to jump around so much. Do you think the marketing was like a little misleading, you guys? Like, I thought this was going to be about the 98 team and the inside scoop and all the little nitty gritty details. But it was more, far more wide sweeping than that. Yeah, it was a little, I mean, none of it was disappointing. I'm so glad that we got to watch it and talk about it and relive it. But I was hoping that we would do deeper dives into the actual basketball footage. So much so that on Sunday afternoon, I put on game six of 1998 just because it was rerunning. They were actually rerunning like that whole 98 final series on NBC Sports Chicago. So I just had those games on in the background. Because you just miss so much with the atmosphere. Stevie, do you want to take us through the last series and maybe even the last game with the Jazz? Get us through the plot here. So, the Jazz were definitely formidable foes in that 98 season. I mean, Stockton and Malone, I mean... For everything the documentary made it seem like they were better than they were in the 97 season. 
it seemed like in this series the Bulls had it at 3-1. And for whatever reason, the Jazz just got a fire lit under their ass. And I had no idea about this in Game 6 that, I mean, this isn't widely talked about, that Scotty was hurt for Game 6 and just merely a decoy. Did you guys know this? Mm. Nah. I mean, what does that even really mean? He made a couple buckets, but I think, like, if Scotty Pippen is on the court, you kind of have to respect that he is a weapon that could be used on offense. So I think it kind of just stretches the floor a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that's basically what it comes down to. But, I mean, I do sort of remember him limping around, and I feel bad. Like, a back injury is one of those injuries that you can't see it at all. So it's just like a pain threshold thing in this series has not been kind to Pippen and it was just like another thing that Pippen couldn't tough through very well. I think this was a little redemptive. It was? Yeah. I mean especially with I think it was the Bulls trainer saying like Scotty was beyond tough for even being like on the court. Did Michael Jordan push off Stevie? (laughs) (laughs) Not as bad as Reggie Miller did to him. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, I wonder if MJ Not, had him put that in there. Like, see, this is a push-off. <laughs> like, Reggie, like, nearly tackled the man. Uh, I mean, I think Bob Costas was a little generous, saying it's nothing more than, you know, a maitre d' taking someone to their table. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people make it out to be, but I did think it was funny. I, like, the documentary circle, circles back to it that Russell, like flies any direction like he doesn't he really can't stop and switch switch his hips like he's good plays on his toes yeah like they had to circle back to that two hours later to make the point across that jordan didn't push off i mean is he the one that was giving jordan crap about why did he quit too why did he quit because you know i could beat him is the last dance nothing merely more than the michael jordan revenge tour it's his burn book (laughs) Him calling the babe <laughs> shot over and over and over again, <laughs> but we've all seen the shot. He he wins it. Game six, Bulls win. Bulls win. Their second three peat. I remember these parades being a huge deal when I was little, and I know they still have stuff like this, but I don't think it really compares. They would just have these blowout citywide parties, and Pappy, um, were there any parts you liked here seeing? the Bulls kind of accept this and the fallout after the championship. Yeah. I, I don't, I think it was the prior season, but the, my all time favorite one from the documentary was the Steve Kerr story when he was like, yeah, you know, Michael didn't feel too comfortable in that situation. So he's like, I got this, uh, for him. <laughs> but that was hilarious. But yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it, it's funny to watch like all of these people like yelling for seven and like, you know, wanting to get seven and the different, you know, levels of, of how resigned they are, like the different like people who are speaking on, on if it's going to happen. And it, it's just kind of sad to see, like, you know, all those people wanted them to try for seven to see what would have happened that they we're never going to know. You know what I mean? It's I, I feel like they should have, you know, you're still the champ until someone beats the champ. It's too bad. And I, I was also really surprised. uh 
at Reinsdorf, uh, because that's another thing too, right? I've taken shots at this, uh, that it, it seemed very Kraus centric. I think, I feel like there's a little bit of buck stops here with Reinsdorf and like Michael Jordan even watched him say that with the iPad. That still uh, like hurts the 11 year old inside of me that took for granted all that winning and that every summer there would be a rally in Grant Park and we get to watch it in the afternoon on the TV on WGN. And just to hear him say that even with all that he accomplished, that he still wasn't satisfied, wanted to go for seven and that those guys would have resigned. Um, that did. That kind of hurt last night. Still. I didn't even like the Bulls then. And it hurt to hear him kind of say that in hindsight. Kraus obviously can't speak and that's, it's hard to, I think it's also kind of a, just a tough look. It pins a lot of it on him, but as the owner, you are the person that has to step up and say, like you wanted Phil back and you can't let your mouthy egomaniac GM call those shots. Um, but he did. I think one thing they didn't address, though, is that I think a lot of this was Phil's decision more than Michael was willing to admit. Yeah. Like, he, Phil really needed a break. Rodman got a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan went and played baseball. I mean, did Phil want to stop coaching, or was he just, like, already mentally there because he was, like, they prepped for it at the very start? They had gone 98. to Phil prior and asked him about it. I'm That timeline is very all over the place and not super clear to me in the doc Mm. and that he was ready to step away. I think there's a little nugget there that's like Phil mentioned specifically that he didn't think he needed a break and that he didn't think it'd be fair to Jerry if he came back. So if you kind of read between the lines there, if Reinsdorf would have been like, well, we can let go of Jerry or I'll take care of Jerry or something to that effect. I think the way that Michael Jordan pushes and the cast of characters that were around him, I, I think it had to fizzle when it did. And it maybe is for the best that they didn't go out losers. Yeah. That Spurs team would have been tough. Spurs, man, (laughs) that Spurs team would have eaten those bulls alive. Mm -hmm. And Rodman only played like, 30 more games. I guess it hurts to hear him say that in hindsight, but you're right because you can never take that winning legacy away from him, from them. As maddening as he says it is to go out on top like that. I, I get really annoyed by sports radio because I feel like whenever they're arguing like who's the GOAT player and like lately it's it's the, the cliche, is it LeBron or MJ? It's, it's a really like two people arguing past each other on what the definition of the greatest player is, as opposed to like, you know, what the actual like comparing statistics or or ability or anything, but like watching this and like this, like that shot. And then the way it ended, like, even though like obviously Jordan comes back with the wizards and everything, I I think that Jordan is always going to be remembered as the goat Josh, just because of, the narrative, like you were saying, kind of like maybe for the better, like that six and no just looms so large in people's heads. And the fact that we didn't have to see him get his ass kicked by <laughs> young Tim Duncan and David Robinson, like that 
that like probably goes a long way in, in, in sort of cementing his legacy. He's a wizard, Pappy. He arrives precisely when he means to. <laughs> Until he came back as a wizard, and that maybe was a mistake. <laughs> and arrived at the wrong time. <laughs> so I, I'm not an NBA historian like you guys. So he did retire, but you said he came back, and I remember that vaguely in history. What, what specifically happened there? I think he averaged 20 and 10 with the Wizards. Yeah, and one one of the reasons he came back was outside of him thinking he still had some left in the tank was that the Wizards promised him like stock and ownership and that was the way he was going to secure himself and like outside of Nike and the Jordan brand that's the the next chapter he wanted to have in the NBA is to get into a front office, which obviously hasn't gone as well as his playing career did. But that's one of the reasons that he hmm. decided I'm coming back. It's hard to believe after watching uh, 10 hours of this documentary that Michael Jordan doesn't have the people skills to run an organization. <laughs> that's the person. <laughs> that... There's one last little, two last little notes. One is that Pippen actually says in this documentary that Jerry Krause was a great GM. And that was shocking to hear him say that after everything. And then just to kind of round out episode 10, right after they win the championship, Jordan's at a piano, he's got champagne all over his body. And he starts talking to like the reporters about staying in the moment and it's some Buddhist Zen shit, he says. And I just thought that was an interesting way that they kind of bookend him and made it seem a little mystical. I really appreciated that. I appreciated the little throw it on the pyre burning funeral they had for their time together. For sure. And then the song that they chose to cap it with was a Pearl Jam song called Present Tense. And it just really tied it all together. And I don't love Pearl Jam because Pearl Jam's not for me because I'm not a grungy, angry dude. But they have some good songs. <laughs> but I'm just not the biggest Pearl Jam fan. But in the moment watching, like hearing the lyrics about being in the present and watching all that stuff play out and that last... Um, slider shot of MJ. It was good. I it was really really well done. Pearl Jam is like the Chicago sports band. Like I think Eddie Vedder's thrown out uh, opening pitch and saying take me out to the ball game. Like at all the big Cubs games, or at least like once a playoff run. <laughs> um, but I did like how like the last words too. I, I thought it was maybe a little bit of a pot shot that it was like the Bulls started to rebuild. And obviously they haven't won a championship since then. So they're kind of always been in a professional state of trying to get a championship team together. That was, that was kind of a interesting final. They final began moment. to rebuild. You don't need to remind me of the Eddie Curry years. Thanks. Like, Marty sad. Pearl Jam used to like the Supersonics, though. They had like a poster with Sean Kemp. Well, yeah, they're from Seattle. I had to say that. Sorry, I just had to. Anyway, <laughs> Stevie, why don't you kick us off with yes or no's for episodes nine and ten? Uh, can I make one quick correction on my? I made a mistake throughout this pod. 
Um, I said Larry Bird had a ton of Indiana pride in him and injured his back repaving his own driveway. That was false. He was building and repaving the driveway for his mother's house. <laughs> that makes it a little better. It does. It, it makes it a little better. Uh, so there's my correction for me. But I will give these hard yeses. I'll give the overall documentary uh, amazing hard yeses. Uh, so much stuff I learned throughout this. And the thing that really stuck out for me throughout this whole thing was just Jordan's competitive spirit. And it really is kind of infectious to hear him talk about his desire to win, even if it rubbed people the wrong way. Um, hearing about Steve Kerr's dad for the first time was absolutely tragic. But I think Jordan kind of acknowledged it in a, a little in his own Michael Jordan way about, you know, him being able to kind of count on Steve, like in the moment when he needed to, and how he kind of trusted Steve, and Steve was one of the guys. Uh, so. And I think that was really cool from episode 9, but hard yeses for 9 and 10 in the whole overall series. Stevie, you're one of the guys. I try. <laughs> I just don't want to be Krause. <laughs> I'll give episode 9 a huge yes, even though it seemed kind of shoehorned how they threw in like a few mini documentaries into this with Gus, the security team lead, and Steve Kerr, and Pizzagate. It still was really well done. I feel like I had a ton of notes from that episode. Um, and skipping ahead to... Oh, yeah, and the Joe Montana commercial was in episode 9. <laughs> in episode 10, I'm going to give a controversial soft no. And it kind of has to do with what Whoa. Pappy was saying earlier. Is I think the structure of this doc... <sighs> It's entertaining in the moment, but in a way that makes it seem like it's always leading to something. And I don't think there was like a true payoff at the end. And I think they were still editing this episode as of like four days ago. And I don't <laughs> think they knew how to end it. And I don't fault them for not knowing how to end it, but I think it came across a little bit. And listen, I still enjoyed 10, but we've given like... I don't think this deserves like 40 yeses and zero no's over the course of five pods. So I'm going to give 10 the softest of no's. I would echo your sentiments about nine. I am Carl Malone coming on the bus to kiss Jordan's <laughs> ring or whatever. <laughs> He'd love to hear that. And uh, I know poor Carl. Um, it was great. I also have a lot of notes from episode nine. I agree with you in that it felt jumbled at the end and the payoff wasn't as big as maybe we were all hoping for, but I still can't give it a no because it's been so fun to have this be a part of our lives for the past few weeks and to be included in this. It's been so fun to talk with you guys. So We'd I have love to give it a yes. And we still got trivia after this, so don't say goodbye quite yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Thanks for being on all the episodes, Liz. It's been fun. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, well, one other note that I forgot to say too, I, I thought uh, the inclusion of Willow Bay was a little bit weird. Like she only has like one talking head in the entire 10 hour documentary, uh, which is significant because she's Bob Iger's wife and she has the credentials to be more featured in the documentary, but it feels weird to just give her one 
talking head when she's your boss's 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 wife or whatever it was but i'm gonna give this a both episodes a yes uh and the documentary a yes look I don't, i'm not i don't think this is like one of the great sports documentaries of all time or one of the great documentaries of all time like we had a side discussion in the group thread and, and one host on this brett podcast who will remain nameless said that this, this would smash at the oscars <laughs> if it came out this year and win every award and like i just honestly don't think You would have to be such a bad filmmaker to take all of this incredible footage and interviews that he got, which, you know, kudos for him. Interviews were great. Uh, He he seemed to ask a lot of the right questions, got all the right footage. But, like, no matter how they spun this thing in quarantine, like, it was going to be a smash hit. And and I think it was going to deliver and it was going to scratch a basketball itch that a lot of us had. I, I don't think the structure frankly worked and, and i think that like kind of you know what is this about it's not about michael jordan because we, we don't discuss his personal life in, in any kind of detail it's not really about the 98 bulls because the majority of every single episode is about something else i guess it's about the bulls but it's it's too michael jordan centric to be an overall bulls documentary so i i i think that as a documentary it's it's pretty good but i have really 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 loved watching it and like i said this and tiger king will always like when i think of like this time 2020 early 2020 those are probably the two things that, that stand out for me so so yes for everything involved awesome i'm gonna also give uh, a yes to both of these. I hadn't been on the other ones, but I would have given all those a yes to. I've really enjoyed this series. I love documentaries, and I like this documentary series quarantine thing we got going on. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. I am excluded from that uh, side thread, I guess. I didn't see any of those, but I, I would contend as well that this is one of the great sports documentaries, at least to me, from the angle of, you know, a sports pleb for the most part. I think it's really interesting. It was really engaging. It filled me in on a lot of things I didn't know. A lot of this stuff you guys probably knew, but, you know, to me it was all, like, new-ish. Like, I kind of knew, like, they were going to win at the end, but all the stuff leading up to it was really engaging. Uh, to kind of Josh's point, you're right, it is kind of like, it's like Dennis Reynolds' movie in a way. It's like basketball vendetta, basketball <laughs> vendetta, basketball vendetta, and then the documentary just kind of ends. <laughs> which is great but i mean i knew it was gonna end the way it did it was just like we won that's it that's a wrap that's how it ended but anyway this was the most interested i've been in basketball probably since 2011 so that's a big plus and uh yeah that's my yes stick it in a coffee can set it on fire for those of you who've had enough interest <laughs> to stay with us through this entire documentary and all of these episodes, thank you. And we're going to do one more trivia to finish things out here. Unless they do like an episode 10.5, maybe we could do another last, last dance pod on that. We'll see. Um, the way trivia is going to work tonight is family feud style. So oh. if you get three strikes, you're out. Um, so there's the topic. And we're going to go... Um, just to keep it fair and random, let's go east to east, just like we've been doing everything. So east to west, same order. And so here's here's the category slash question. Um, many of you may know Jason Concepcion from The Ringer and Binge Mode. Uh, he mm-hmm. wrote the top five, top five lies told in this documentary, according to him. So it's pretty subjective. 
Um, I have three bonus ones that if you get those, you you get a half point and the possibility to ask or to guess again if you'd like. So um, that'll come into play in a little bit. So anyway, Stevie, best MJ Last Dance Lies ranked. Best lies? Put it on the board. <laughs> According to J- the ringer's Jason Concepcion, the best lies in this Last Dance documentary. Michael Jordan would have made it to the majors. <laughs> that is a great you see it answer, way. but that is a strike for you, Stevie. That is not because we all know that's true. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Stevie, you argued for it to be true I'm i know but i feel like i'm very out like on an <laughs> island when i say that <laughs> no apparently not liz you're up well i gotta go like it wasn't food mm-hmm. poisoning yeah. top lie can we put it on the board pizza gate yes it's number three i ordered pizza in utah <sighs> during the finals under my own name and it was poisoned <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be worth three <laughs> points for you liz uh, Pappy, you're up. Show me Atlantic City. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything more specifically you could say about that? Oh, do I really? Uh, that he he was just hanging out gambling with his dad, and he was back by uh one a.m. or whatever he said. <sighs> I'm sorry, that's not on there. That's, that's another great answer, though. I'm honestly, but this is Jason Concepcion's list. Like, take it up with him. Uh, Corey? They didn't know where Rodman was when he went to go wrestle? <laughs> where he was, like, at for that 48-hour 40, period or just in general? <laughs> yeah. Ah, great answer, Kylo, but that is also your first strike. Ooh. Stevie, you're back around with, to you. A lot on the board still. Same question? Yeah, there's... <laughs> yeah. This is almost ridiculous as fiction... Uh, Fiction French characters. Um, let me think here. <laughs> Lies told. Uh, I'm guessing talking about when Jordan was a rookie and he lived like a very quiet life and he always stayed in and didn't do anything with his teammates. Mm. Put it on the board. Yes, yeah, Stevie, that is the number one answer. Quote, every boy Thank except you. me was doing drugs and hanging oh, out with wow. women in hotel rooms, but not me. There you it's go. worth five points, Stevie. Nicely done. Huzzah! <laughs> Liz. Okay, so I'm going to circle back to the Atlantic City <laughs> thing that Michael had no idea who <laughs> Slim Bowler was and what he did for a living and say Is that it was on the board, a lie. Slim Bowler? No. And I feel like if I was misleading earlier, there's nothing about Atlantic <gasps> City or his dad on this list. So let's just keep it at that. Okay. Okay. Well, that, yeah, I. I You'll get another chance. Happy. <laughs> Show me it was all Jerry Krause's fault. <laughs> You're on to something here, but that is also your second strike. Oh, jeez. damn it. I have the best toss to spoiler, man. I've been saving up my breath all day for it. I don't know if you can follow up last week's. (laughs) Still getting your breath back from that one. Corey, lies. Ah, Fuck, I don't know, man. Uh, 
When he says, I ain't Shaq, he really is Shaq, secretly. <laughs> Shaq, oh, on the board? No, it's not. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. He's not Shaq? <laughs> That's the funniest answer, though, so far. So I feel like I should give you a point, but I won't. Stevie, back up to the top to you. <sighs> Michael Jordan didn't like Scott Burrell. <laughs> Scott Burrell on the board. No, he's not. <sighs> Liz, you have one strike, three points. We talked about all of these. Well, that doesn't really narrow <laughs> Need an answer in about three seconds. He never really wanted to, to go with Adidas. He liked being at Nike. I don't know. He did like Adidas, probably. <laughs> I know. I know. Pappy, you're look. You're staying down your third strike. I know you got some better answers in there. Show me that it wasn't entirely MJ's decision to keep Isaiah Thomas off the dream team. <laughs> oh Zeke, yeah. Can yeah. you put it on the board? Number five. <laughs> I didn't keep Zeke from being on the dream team. One point for you, Pat. Needed that, Corey. One. Uh, well, they really set up Michael Jordan to be like this bully figure. I think he was probably really actually very nice and supportive. <laughs> nice and supportive jo- MJ. Can you put it on the board? <laughs> oh, crying MJ. Sad react. All right, Steve, you're sitting in the leaderboard, but you can add a little bit to your total here if you'd like. That Michael Jordan left the NBA in his own accord. Ooh. That is a Josh bonus answer worth a half point. Oh, David Stern had nothing to do with MJ leaving, wink, wink. So that's just worth a half point. So I'll leave it up to you. Do you want to guess again? I was thinking if it was early in the game, you might want to guess again with a lot on the board, but it's up to you. You could get a strike if you guess again and get it wrong. So What happens if I get a strike? You're done, you, and you end with five and a half points. <laughs> Doesn't it, Didn't I already win, though? No. Maybe. <laughs> oh. There's still the two and four answer on the board. All right. Well, can you come back to me if I don't want to answer right sure now? Sure can. Liz. That Doug Collins somehow magically knew that his coaching time was over and that Phil was just <laughs> ready to take over. And how did you know? Oh, I just didn't. <laughs> another probable lie but that is unfortunately not on the list Liz that is your third strike you did end with three points it's not going to be enough to win it Pappy it's your last shot to overtake your arc rival your nemesis your best friend your co-creator Stevie (laughs) all of those things all of those Uh, things I was the best man in his wedding too Uh, I'm going to play for the Josh bonus I'm going to say that Gary Payton wasn't as important, or sorry, that Sean Kemp wasn't as important as Gary Payton on that Sonics team. Oh. Sean Kemp, can we put it on the board? Just an alley oop partner? <laughs> question mark? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> it's a half point for you, Pat. Uh, Keep going or pass it yeah. to Stevie. I'm gonna pass it to Stevie. Okay. Six and a half points left on the board, so still definitely within striking distance. Am I still in the lead? Yeah. Five and a half to one and a half. Pappy needs some oh. breaks. 
Okay. Don't forget about me. You're out, Liz. Three strikes. <laughs> <laughs> you can still get second place, though. Yeah. First loser. <laughs> um. Hold on. I feel like it has something to do with the Pistons. Uh, you know what? I'll say uh, George Carl denying Michael at the bar before the finals. MJ sociopath part two. Not on the board. Stevie gets his <clears throat> third strike. Pathy, this is it. I, I guess it's got to be game over. This is the only thing I come up with. That the Celtics didn't shake Isaiah Thomas's hand. Uh, that that's that's a lie. Celtics walking off the court. Can we put it on the board? Yeah. We cannot, Pappy. Third strike. So the last bonus question, or the last bonus answer was, JT claimed he had to mow lawns as a kid to afford Jordans when he was in the Mickey Mouse Club? Question mark. (laughs) Uh, Justin Timberlake. Number four worth two points. The casual reveal that LeBradford Smith nice game mic story never happened. <laughs> and number two, worth four points that could have won it for you, Pat. Um, I didn't push off in quotation marks uh-huh. while video what? of him pushing off plays in the background. Oh, I, you know, I was going to say that, but I figured that was like a cheapy answer. <laughs> so if you have any problems with that list, listeners, uh, take it up with Jason Concepcion of The Ringer. Stevie, not only can you throw it to Spoiler Man, do you have a last word on the last dance here? Um, Michael Jordan, still my favorite player of all time. Uh, still, I mean, the Bulls are still my favorite NBA team, probably because of Michael Jordan. Uh, it's unfortunate that being so close to Chicago, I mean, Michael Jordan really can't do a whole lot wrong in my eyes. Uh, so yeah, watching this documentary was a hell of a lot of fun. Loved it. Take it away. <laughs> well, do we have anything coming down the pipeline? Do we have anything coming down the line for spoilers? Spring Breakers. Next episode to drop. Let's after this. go. We said that last week. Is it ever coming out? Let's <laughs> I go moved again. And I, I injured my clicking finger. <laughs> on a... I'm just joking, Pep. Uh I just wanted to straighten that up for listeners. Spring Break. We did say that last week, but it will surely come out soon. That was a really fun episode. 100%. Please look forward for Spring Breakers. I- I hosted that episode, one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. And on that note, take it away, spoilers, man. Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. That was spoiler.